listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 387. My name's Dave. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our discussion of the classic military science fiction series, Stargate SG-1. Dude, it's hammer time. <laughs> I didn't even see that one coming. I like it, though. Oh. That was good. You can use the uh, one that's uh, Star Wars related if you want it at some appropriate time, but you know we'll get to that in a few minutes right. but uh yeah this is uh this is a good episode and and yeah. uh you know like fred mentions in his feedback we, we get some background history some origin story about the gauld so uh you know there's it's not a great episode but i i think it's certainly a very good one and we'll you know talk about that when it comes mm-hmm. time to assign a letter grade on it now, as you guys can probably hear, we're recording an hour earlier this week because the Ravens play on Monday night. So, you know, if we sound a little bit different, that's probably, you know, what you can uh, explain it with. But Yeah, my, our voices are an hour younger than they would normally be. Yeah, right, right, exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, we haven't mentioned it for a few weeks, but if you're interested in becoming a Patreon supporter like Fred, Dan, Richard, Travis, Mark, Cindy, and Mike. You can go to the website, sci-fi-tv-rewatch.podbean.com. There's a link over to the right. Or go to patreon.com slash sci-fi-tv-rewatch. All right. Now, I got a little bit of news. I know you'll be excited. I certainly was. Cool. Got a Kristen Stewart alert. Oh, well, no, maybe not. She's got a holiday movie with Aubrey Plaza titled happiest season oh okay well you, there's good and bad in there <laughs> you like aubrey plaza i do like aubrey plaza i'm a big big right. fan of hers yes i i don't know if i've ever mentioned this to you before but you know how it is you're on youtube and and all of a sudden you're watching x video so i'm watching people throw out first pitches at baseball games and obviously, some of them are hilarious. Uh, some of the really good athletes are horrible throwing a baseball. <laughs> but I, I saw one, Aubrey Plaza throws out first pitch at Dodgers game. Like, okay, I'll, I'll watch that. So I'm watching her, and it's like about a four-minute clip of her warming up on the sideline with one of the Dodgers before the game. And like you, we can just watch somebody. It's almost like like for you in lacrosse, you probably can watch somebody just how they're holding their stick while they're standing there. Yeah. Whether they're a good player or not. Right. Dude, she's a player. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you watch her throw and just the way she holds her glove and, you know, doing little things like where she's bending her glove in between. When the first time she did it. She had to, if she didn't play in high school, I'd be very surprised. So, uh, anyway, um, you're cool. Well, I I, I, I just would like to go back when you said when you're watching X video, I think you meant X as like a variable. I did. Absolutely. Okay, because I just they don't wanted, have any good stuff. On YouTube. Got- I'm pretty sure there's probably something called X video that uh, has a specific content. Oh, good point <laughs> or bad point. Either way, I wouldn't know. So <laughs> uh, possibly. All right, it move, definitely move. sounds like something that uh, would be a thing. Moving on. All right from Kristen Stewart. <laughs> so I finished season three of that Danish political drama, Borgen, that, you know, I mentioned. And, you know, season three, the pacing was a little bit slow. You know, one of the major characters, it's almost like they didn't really know what to do with him. Actually, it's a Euron Greyjoy. And I read some interviews later that it was all on him. He, you know, didn't realize how good he had it etc etc but you know we've said we we had our one political discussion episode on sci-fi tv rewatch a while back so what i'm about to say it's not really political but it is my big takeaway from watching this series and, and it's probably a lot of the other european countries as well and maybe fred can chime in at some point but our two-party system sucks yeah. <laughs> and when you see a country where there are, you know, three, four, five, I think in Denmark, it looks like there are seven or eight legit parties. And albeit a couple of them are really big, but they have to work together. Right. And 
it, it just seems as if it's so much better a system. So U.S., if you're out there listening, we need another party. Let's, let's start with just three. We'll start small. <laughs> um, the other series I started watching, and you may have, may have seen it pop up on your Netflix feed, is a Spanish mystery called The Mess You Leave Behind. I don't think I have seen that one yet. And one episode in, I'm really liking it a lot. It's one of these where, you know, they keep throwing you what turns out to be a flashback, but you didn't realize it was a flashback when they showed it to you the first time. And they were like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, so, so far one episode in, I I really like it. Cool. All right. What do you got? Well, I have been, first of all, Another amazing episode of The Mandalorian. Dave, you got to get on this. This season is is off the hook, man. Yeah, that's what Fred's saying. Yeah, but you, go ahead. You got to watch. So I'm not going to say any more about it because obviously I know a lot of people watch it. Uh, a lot of people maybe haven't been able to watch it as it just came out uh, late uh, last Friday. So just, just saying that if you're not watching The Mandalorian, it is... I would say it's probably worth the price of admission of Disney Plus. And with Netflix, as my daughter tells me, apparently hiking up their prices, um, might have to take a good long look at Netflix. I don't know. That's that's it's crazy for me to say. But I might have to if it's if it's going up to like twenty bucks a month. Whoa, I didn't hear that. It's wow. well, it's like seven and of course we have like Oh, you have four screens. We have probably. exactly. We have extra okay. screens and all this rubbish. So, so, so yeah. But, um, but you know, I don't know. Like for the first time, I'm like really thinking: do I do we stick with Netflix? You know, because Disney Plus, it's really good, and they're coming out with a lot of good content in the future. So anyway, I'm not here to advertise for Disney Plus, but Mandalorian, amazing. But along those lines, actually, I because of all the people that are appearing in the Mandalorian this season who I didn't really know who they were. Um, one, I totally did, but the others, not so much. So now it's requiring me to go back and take that deep dive into the clone wars series. Okay. Which is awesome. It is so freaking good. It's, you know, it's animated, you know, so there's a little bit of weirdness there. And the stories, I mean, they're, they're, they're short. Each episode is probably about 21 minutes long, running time total. But the, the, the animation is great. The, the writing is, is really good. I think Dave Filoni, who with uh, John Favreau, is, I think they're the, you know, the team behind The Mandalorian. Uh, Dave Filoni is the, you know, he's the, basically the showrunner, I believe, for Clone Wars. It's just, it's really, really good. And, uh, you know, so it's intimidating because I think there's like seven seasons and each one has like 20 some episodes, but when each episode is like 20 minutes long, it's pretty, pretty easy to get through. So I'm like two and a half seasons into that and, uh, and really enjoying it. You know, I, I, I know, uh, my, my kids watched it, my sons when they were little and I don't know why I didn't watch it with them. Honestly, I don't know. Maybe if I thought it was animation, I didn't want to be bothered with it i don't know but it's great and it's good talking to my now older sons who are who are 18 and 20 now and and talking to them about it and they're just excited to talk about it now as as they were when they were you know 10 and 7 so uh you know it's cool cool all right i think katie sackoff does a voice on that show right? she is the voice of of bo katan a, a mandalorian as a matter of fact and so okay All right, well, let's move on to Stargate SG-1, episode 109, Thor's Hammer, written by Catherine Powers, directed by Brad Turner, who directed a few episodes of V-Wars, which is a show I checked out, uh, you know, it's your standard fare, vampire, apocalypse, and it was okay. Three episodes of S.H.I.E.L.D., Shannara Chronicles, and 46 episodes of 24. So, dude has some street cred in the... uh, direct okay i thought the name looked familiar and that must that must be it It yeah and this one aired september 26 1997 uh just a couple of early thoughts and and of course and fred brings this up in his feedback james earl jones and 
I'm embarrassed to say I didn't recognize him the first time I watched the episode. Well, it was right in the beginning of the episode. He was in the credits. So, you know. And I must not have been, you know, it was one of those things where I've got it on the TV and I'm typing on my laptop. So I must have looked away when it flashed up on the screen because I saw it today and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just surprised you didn't like recognize the voice i know i know like hey that bad guy sounds a lot like darth vader uh, i know (laughs) so uh now the other thing you you know really deals more with the episode and fred brings this up in in his feedback as well why does carter immediately buy into the norse god thor so readily as does general hammond oh Norse mythology, sure, we're on board with that. Now, I guess you could argue, given everything else they've seen. Exactly. Why not? Yeah, exactly. I think they've just seen so much crazy stuff right now that, uh, you know, hey, Norse gods are real. All right, sure. Why? I mean, you know, why not? If the Egyptian gods are real, why not the Norse gods? Well, that's right. And, and I guess I've got to divorce myself. And, I, you know, I've got enough experience with sg1 i mean this is my second time watching it but i suppose i still associate sam carter with dana but, scully in, okay. in terms of being but the skeptical rationality team. right yeah, yeah. And, and uh to have her buy in immediately uh, okay i guess i'm just gonna have to get used to it but the other thing i noticed though in this episode she wasn't very patient in a lot of situations, you know, particularly when they were taking the hike to uh, to the mountain. But I, I just noticed it a lot, and you know, she didn't play a, a, a real big role in this episode. I mean, you know, I, I feel like Daniel's uh, dialogue and actions, you know, in, in their pairing were much more telling than hers. But right. well, I, I think she she ultimately in this episode does play the. The role of the cynical, not cynical, I shouldn't say, but the realist, you know, like we're following this lady because the thunder spoke to her. Like, come on. Right. And and then I love how at the end when Jack says, uh, we better get going before it rains, <laughs> yeah. you know, like yeah, that thunder is not Thor. It's, it's going to rain. Yeah. But the other thing, Daniel, he's willing to let Teal'c stay behind so that Share could possibly be saved by yeah, this. But in his defense, all Teal has to do is walk through the thing. Yeah, your goal dies, and ultimately, you'll die too, eventually, right? Yeah, but I guess. It's, it's not like you're going to drop dead on the spot. So, I mean, I almost took the opposite tack. I'm like, you know, Teal is selfishly holding on to this you know, immortality of his. Whereas this is maybe so far the only shot they've come up with realistically of being able to, to save Scara and Sheree. Right. And, and I guess on one level, this episode is about offering hope for the two of them, but also for Teal'c as well, because we certainly get the sense he wouldn't mind having the symbiote removed if it wasn't going to kill him now we're not sure exactly what will happen to him if it gets removed will he just simply be vulnerable like any human but he's not human so we don't really know what his right and, and, and that's really a good is. point and that's i'm not being 100 percent judgmental of him because well i maybe he will drop dead if the gold is removed from him but um well the opening scene jackson posits that the gaul didn't invent the stargate system and and it's really fascinating because he says we we don't think he uh we don't think the gaul invented the stargate system we think they and he's like saying we but we know it's just him right and carter again is kind of looking at him like huh and then jack does what jack always does what daniel means is we, we need to go on a mission looking for them. <laughs> so, 
and I, again, I love the pacing of SG one. They yeah. don't mess around. It, it seems as if every episode starts one of two ways. Either they're in the meeting room discussing the mission or they've just popped through the gate and it's a cold open, which, okay, that's fine. Right. And if they start in the meeting room, then they're pretty quickly on the mission, you know? And of course that's, if, if you've only got 40 some minutes to tell the story, you can't, you can't uh, pitter about it. You got to you gotta get the thing moving, especially right. if you need to spend the first probably third of it world building. Right, right, exactly. And for this show, it, it, you almost have to build a world every week. Every episode, absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. So, very challenging. Right, until they start returning to worlds. And again, right. we don't know whether that's going to happen or not. So they've decided, okay, the... The Vikings and the Norse gods are the good gods that were actually trying to fight the Gaul. So we need to track them down because Thor's hammer is some sort of energy weapon. Of course it is. We've seen, yeah. you know, sure. all the Marvel movies. The we movies. know what it's all about. <laughs> but uh, Teal'c has seen the hammer sign before, brings up the planet Samaria, no ghoul allowed to go. Okay, good. That's where we're going. Yeah. And. Daniel's excited to take his version of Sagan's greetings from Earth package. And on the one hand, I was a little surprised at the end that he gives it to, um, I can't remember her name, the uh, the first woman that we meet there. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking that because, well, they're humans as well. You know, and they recognize, you know, hey, we're all humans. Sam's like, hey, I'm probably related to you in some way. Right. Okay, so but that's- there might not be a copy of Zeppelin Four. I think there might be a copy of Zeppelin Four in there. So did, they could learn something from that. Did they do that in the original one? I, I or is that just urban legend? I, I don't know. I just made that up. Oh, see, there's some, there was something about the music that they, they included on that laser disc. Of course, now who in the universe has a laser right, exactly. player anymore. You just see some alien getting like, what the hell? <laughs> right. I think my great, great parents might have have a player for this. Yeah. We had to get an antique shop to play this shit. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, you know, talking about stairway to heaven. Uh, I just, Again, YouTube video, it was some award ceremony. So, you know, the the living members of Zeppelin were up in the audience and it was the lead singer from Heart and, you know, some band that had Jason Bonham playing drums and he's a freaking monster on mm-hmm. drums. Yeah. Um, you know, string section and just watching Zeppelin react because it was just an unbelievably good version of Stairway. But we digress. Um cool. You know, and Wilson was doing the vocals? Yeah. Nice. I have to look that up. They pop out of the gate and, and and we see, you know, what we recognize as, you know, Viking farmers and, and wh- why are they laughing at them? I, I still don't exactly um, know. I just assume because they came out so awkwardly. Okay. Or see, that's what I thought the first time. And, and I even thought the second time. And then as I'm I'm watching that scene a second time, I thought, well, maybe they're laughing because they know, yes, they stumbled out of the gate, but they also know that somebody's going to get zapped. Right. Yeah, that could be too. By That's probably why they're there. They're just like hanging out there, maybe for years, waiting for someone to (laughs) come through so they can get zapped. But then why laugh? Why not warn them? Because they want to see someone get zapped. (laughs) And they're chanting, Thor, Thor. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I, I think part of it, I, I don't know, honestly, exactly why they laugh, but I know thematically why they laugh is we realize early on that whereas every other world that they come to, the people there assume that they're gods because they come through the Stargate, but in this world, there's they, they don't at all. In fact, instead of being met with reverence, they're met with ridicule. Well, we got two stories in this episode they split up the team we've got kendra leading jackson and carter into the mountain and then of course uh the laser sends jack and teal into the labyrinth what's that that does the dr evil laser oh Oh, (laughs) nice (laughs) you know so they wake up in this dark cave and um suddenly thor appears 
and introduces himself. I thought that was a pretty good uh, representation of, uh, uh, you didn't uh, like it. Uh, you okay. know, I mean, I don't know. Like, he, it looked like, I got nothing wrong with cosplay, but it just looked like a, a cosplay dude. You know, like, he, he didn't seem, he seemed a little skinny to my mind. Yeah. Okay. And I was just, I, I don't know, and this might be just my reaction afterwards. Yeah. When I realized it was just like a phone message and not Thor himself. Because I really, well, you, you got an episode called Thor's Hammer. You're expecting to see some Thor, like a real, real Thor the man coming down and smacking people around with his hammer. And instead, you just get like this hologram. Yeah. We don't even get Chris Hemsworth, you know? Right. You know, so. Uh, anyway, so they, you know, they, they find the bones and it was a cool narrative touch. And, and, uh, I, I thought that's what Teal picked up. And that was the, you know, I guess the remnants of the symbiote that was in the gold that was imprisoned there. And, and, you know, oh, there's some kind of animal teeth. Okay. So fine. And, and we get that idea early on that there's some sort of a creature in this cave, I thought the creature in terms of, you know, makeup and, you know, whatever, I thought was pretty good. I, I thought they did a really good job with that. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. I mean, again, if we're judging it on 2020 uh, standards, not so great. But 1997 standards, pretty good. Well, yeah, even for the current standards, I thought it was okay. But once Unas, the first one, speaks and, and orders Teal to kill Jack, again, Jack's reaction, uh, wait a minute. I'm, you know, it's almost like, hey, I'm standing right here. I can hear you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the idea about the weapons and how Teal's weapon doesn't work, I think we've either seen it in, in SG1 already or some other show that I can't remember where the modern contemporary weapons don't work. So they use something that I think feel like it's a bow and arrow. Did we see? I oh yeah. That, that was, yeah, just uh, two episodes ago. Okay. All right. So, so they're repeating that idea. Yes. And, and again, that's fine that they can take that moving forward. And in terms of the SG one, you know, arsenal, that's a good thing to know. And and they'll be prepared. Maybe they'll bring extra magazines next time because as Jack says at that one point, I'm putting in my last magazine. Firepower will will momentarily stop Unas, the first one, but he's got super regenerative powers that we we find out. Right. But I, I like that idea that humans were not the first vessels that the guy will use. Right. And, and you know, that's something, I mean, obviously we haven't talked about it. I haven't even thought about that, but I mean, I mean, totally makes sense. Right. I mean, if we you got the whole universe, yeah, exactly. You got the whole universe and just to, to think, and it just goes to show how just our, our ethnocentric our, you know, of my thinking and probably most people's thinking is that we never even thought about that. The gold could be, you know, inhabiting other species um, beings from from throughout the universe yeah and and i love the fact that teal has these stories from his childhood that uh, he thought it was a myth that parents told their children to scare them and to get them to do whatever it is they wanted them to do and he mentions it's myth much like your vampire and then, of course, Jack says, so do we have to stake him in the heart? <laughs> but uh, but no, not one of Jack's best lines, but yeah. still a solid line. It was, uh, it was, yeah, it was okay. Yeah, it was yeah. And, and then, you know, again, once they have the, that first encounter with Unas and, you know, they shoot him and he's dead, I think. Are you sure? Yeah. I'm sure. I think, <laughs> you know, no, actually, yeah, yeah well, yeah, we, we, we know where that's going is, yeah. as the more they, they go and, and, uh, you know, Teal's uncertainty. Well, and honestly, when they, when they first quote unquote killed him, I thought, I wonder how much money they paid 
to get James Earl Jones to come on and do like two lines. Yeah, because this is post-Star Wars. I mean- yeah. And, and now, uh, granted- Post-Field uh, of Dreams, post-a-lot of yeah, stuff he yeah. did. So. so, you know, I guess he could just do it in a studio close to his home and, you know- Oh, yeah, definitely, but still. I, I mean, know, he, I know. It would definitely cost him. Right, of course, nowadays. If you're going to bring in a guy like James Earl Jones for two freaking lines, like- So, that made me think that, well, I don't think that Unis is- He, he might be mostly dead, but I don't think he's dead because- yeah, you know, they're going to get their buck, the bang for their buck out of James Earl Jones. Well, right, and and then we get that line, and we've been talking about the development of SG One, not only as a team but as a family. And Unas tells Jack, "You can leave. You're you're free to go." And no, that's not what we do here. Of course, Jack even says that to him later that that we're part of a family, not. You know, not just a unit, but anything else you want to bring up about that segment of the episode? No. Okay. So. Well, well, the other one is, is, as we said, Kendra leading Jackson and Carter into the mountain because that's where they learn that, that Jack and Teal'c have been transported. And, you know, we, we first meet uh, Gerwin when she rides up on horseback. <laughs> we talk about O'Neill getting all the best lines. You're a little short for gods. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, they gave it to somebody else this week. Yeah. And was that the Star Wars line you were talking about? No, no, no. I was just really talking about James Earl Jones and, you know, somehow ah. figuring in, Luke, I am your okay. father. Right, right, which right. Okay. Makes gotcha. me think of the commercial with uh, Mark Hamill and. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, Patrick Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I try to explain that to my wife, but it just. It, you know, it's one of those things where it, no, I'll just stop. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And then when she says her husband's gone a Viking, oh, raiding and pillaging. Nah, just looking for work. Yeah, looking for work. Like, <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, but I, there, there's something about that that I really loved. And maybe it's. No, I thought it was funny, but I mean, it's just like, come on. Well, and of course, also, like, I mean, we we have a lot of Viking themed and, you know, shows now right so like that's kind of a thing nowadays that certainly wasn't a thing back in the 90s but i think people hear viking of course they think burning raping pillaging stealing and not uh standing queue at the you know employment office <laughs> right and five episodes into the final season of vikings the yeah um which maybe i'll mention next week but uh yeah so far so good but they recognize oh, when's when's episode one when is that it, it all drops on december 30th on amazon okay all right yeah um but daniel uh, oh no no midgard because they mentioned you know we're humans from earth yep. and that doesn't register so uh you know daniel knows and they mentioned the recluse kendra you know of course they've got to uh take jackson and carter there we can't spare any horses but i'll you know take you on foot okay and right away, we see she's got one of those little handheld devices. I I think we've only seen Apophis with one of those, right? Or, or do all the gold have them? Um, I think didn't uh, Scara had one oh, in did episode he? one, I believe. Okay, so I think yeah, you could be right. Now that you mentioned, but anyway, that. but yeah, um, but but we've only seen it used to for bad things right right so she's using it to heal his broken bones but the key takeaway here is that she used to carry a symbiote like teal's but thor's hammer allowed it to be removed and she's living on just fine so it obviously goes back to what we were saying earlier in the discussion that it gives hope for scara and Sharae that that perhaps and, and Teal'c of course as well. Although you know you wonder if it gets to that point, what decision Teal'c will make about his symbiote? Because on the one hand, you would think General Hammond would have a problem if Teal'c has the opportunity to have it removed, and still he'd be okay, as opposed to Teal'c saying, "Ah, it's part of me. I want to keep it." Right. So right, and that's. That's the crux of the problem, I think, you know, or the, the debate here, I guess, whatever. Right. You know, what, what is what is the case? Is it just 
Tielk is just reticent to get rid of it because if he does, then he will no longer be immortal. Or does he understand that if he gets rid of it, he's going to die like right away? You know, the one we can understand, the other, not so much. You know, he's being a little selfish, especially with the sacrifice that Daniel makes at the end of this episode. Yeah, reluctantly, though. I, I feel, but he makes it though. He does. He, it. he does. You're, you're right. And I guess there's something to be said for that. You know, the other thing that comes up in this part of the story is the thunder. And, you know, we mentioned that a few minutes ago and, and Jack has that line at the end, uh, let's get going so we don't get rained on. But obviously they look at the thunder from a mythological standpoint. So, so when Kendra hears the thunder, her immediate reaction is that Thor wants me to help you. So is that just her using that as an excuse to help somebody? She's not exactly sure she should help. And then she's got a fallback excuse if it all goes to hell. Yeah. I I don't, I don't think I saw it like that. I saw it one of two ways is either a, um, you know, they, like ancient people would or, you know, took signs such as thunder as signs from the gods, right? They didn't understand it in a scientific way. It was just, you know, it was, it, this was the work of some supernatural being. Or B, that we know that there actually is a Thor though, right? So it's not like the, the gods aren't fanciful beings. These, these gods are... I put, you know, in, in air quotes, these gods uh, are actual living things. Um, so, you know, maybe the actual Thor is actually communicating through the lightning or thunder. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, a- actually, to to be more accurate at this point, I think she attributes it to the Valkyrie, which is a perfect right. lead in for us to mention Rachel Scarston as Tamsin in Lost Girl. Right. So, yeah, haven't seen Lost Girl. You guys need to go back. Is it on Netflix? I don't even know. It probably is. I think it is. I think it was. I don't know. I I haven't watched Lost Girl in so Uh, long. You know, I may be due for a rewatch. I mean, I don't know. It's been been a while. But uh, anyway, Kendra summons Thor. And I love when she asks Jackson and Carter to sit in the stone circle. You, you, You look at Sam and she's like, Really? <laughs> but she acquiesced. I think she puts her rifle down. The other thing that you notice, I mentioned last time, I noticed Jackson was carrying a sidearm. This week he had it, he had it out in his hand on more than one occasion ready to use it. I don't think he fires it, but he's... No, he's had, but he does fire the... Uh, staff the weapon. weapon. yeah. Yeah. You know, and and, and then we meet uh, Kendra and, and, you know, that's that scene where they learn about her past and, and, you know, how she ended up here. And and of course the idea that she was able to intellectually outwit the gold inside of her, which, which again gives Daniel hope. And, you know, he says that, that Sheree wasn't trained the way you were trained, but you know, he, he feels as if in his, short time with her and we don't really know how much time he's had with her before you know coming back to uh coming to sg1 and all of that but but still it it gives him hope that she'll remember because again that's one of the key things he asks kendra what do you remember from your your prior life and she says oh a lot so you know because again that's that's a plot device we've seen many times you, you know the the character gets cured of whatever it is but and who are you I'm like oh, yeah yeah i'm your husband well yeah and it this is a, the first really sign of hope for for daniel for that and for jack as well i mean we can't forget that jack is a very strong bond with scara and he is I don't know if necessarily as motivated as Daniel to find a way that they can, you know, get the gold out of them and yet have them, you know, maintain their identity. Yeah, no, no, absolutely right. And, uh, you know, and, and 
again, that's out there. We've still got over half a season to go, and whether we're going to revisit Share and Scara again, you almost think, how can we not at some yeah, point? How could, exactly. How can we not? And, and they keep getting mentioned, and, and you know, we're given little plot details like in this episode that otherwise they're they're just wasted so i mean you never know but but a show like stargate sg1 that lasted 10 seasons you'd like to think that the the writers were good enough to not waste that sort of thing yeah well plus the actors are probably like hey <laughs> right going to come in to, to uh, run some lines or anything anytime soon, yeah? Right. So you need to put some food on the table here. Exactly. Well, they find the entrance, which is conveniently marked with Thor's hammer. And, you know, they get in there and Carter and Jackson oh, here. Jackson. Before, before we move yeah, on. Yeah, go ahead. As I say, another instance where we say to ourselves, no shit, Daniel. He's like the master of the obvious, right? In, in which case... He looks up and it says the hammer. Oh, yeah. It's like freaking right there. Like everyone can see it, obviously, but you know Daniel has to say it. So it's like no shit. Like every episode, he has at least one thing that he says just obvious. So I don't know if like they did that. Like that was like a little kind of running joke. Like yeah, we're gonna have, every episode. Daniel's got to say something completely idiotic because it's so obvious. But I don't know. Well, you know, it, it's funny now that I'm watching the episodes on netflix rather than my dvd set i I don't have the extras right there so i'm gonna have to go back when you know at some point and well also now you mentioned that because you did ask me well i mean you see on netflix that they have the four three ratio aspect right of it and amazon does not so i'm i'm going to keep watching these on amazon interesting yeah okay because huh. uh, Fred, not not Fred from the Netherlands, uh, Fred Farstein in the Facebook group mentioned that his wife is watching it, and you know I messaged him back about the the ratio, and you know he, he had said that originally it was, you know that's how it was filmed, and you know somehow I guess Amazon's figured out, but but again I feel like my DVD set it shows it widescreen, but anyway. So we get to that final sequence. Carter and Jackson hear the gunfire. O'Neill shoots Unas again. And then, of course, Kendra remembers the incantation to open the door. Of course she does. And all, and all. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. It, you know, it doesn't. Sure. We're not, we're not questioning I mean, look, that. how many different methods have we seen over the years of opening a door like this? You, you almost, it's like, all right, just put your hand up there. Isn't there a like a, you know, an indentation that your hand fits in. And I don't know, that was Van Helsing. Okay. Uh, this show. Okay. Well, if you're playing like one of the Lego games, you have to go back and collect the right piece. You can come back and open the door. So, All right. So the teams converge. Teal'c is pushing Unos into, uh, you know, that, that hammer chamber or whatever, where it disables both of them. And not that this is surprising in the least, but, Teal'c is willing to die to save the others, but Jack's not having any of it. My only nitpick with that scene is that Teal'c has hold of Unas. When Jack pulls Teal'c out, how come Unas doesn't come with him, or does Teal'c just conveniently let go at that point? I guess I that's... guess he conveniently let go. Okay, and eh, whatever, that's fine. Right. But, you know, Teal'c realizes he can't leave. He's resigned to staying in the labyrinth. And that's when Jack says, you're part of the family. We're not leaving you behind. And fittingly, it's Daniel that takes the staff weapon. And we don't know that it's going to work, but of course it does. You know, you know he's half hoping it doesn't. I, exactly. Right. You know, he's just like, come on, please don't work. Right. Yeah. Which is why it's great that that he's the one. And, and you, yeah. you could argue it could have been Carter, but... It, again whatever but yeah well it's and just for the story i mean obviously he has to do it because it's you know it's his major sacrifice right right jack to a lesser extent but this is you know the big this episode just seen him building up hope 
the more he talks to Kendra, you can see him just becoming more hopeful and hopeful as it goes. And then when he gets to this part, then all that hope just goes out the door. Well, right. But his, his final line, though, at least we know it can be done. And I thought, right. okay, good for you, Daniel, because that is the absolute right attitude to take, that if you've encountered this situation here, you, you know, there's probably another avenue for you to help Sheree and Scara. So you know it can be done. All right, that's one box you can check off. Right, and he's at, you know again that's that's actually like a good scientific way of looking at it, right. Right. If it can be done here, well, you know, it's at least possible. Maybe not likely, but possible that someone else is done. I mean, the technology is is out there somewhere. You just got to find Thor. Well, right, and again, we we mentioned this last. I think it was last time or certainly in the last couple episodes, Jack does his thing again. Ah, uh, you don't need to worry about the gold. They probably don't even know that it's, you know, been disabled or whatever. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, it does kind of, yeah. I mean, that, that's been like the, the people of this world that's been there, how that's protected them from the gold. Right. Right. And, uh, now they're not right. But he tells <laughs> them you don't need to worry. And we're like, how do you know? But yeah, uh, it's just like, yeah, like you said, like last episode, you know, he's just this kind of, you know, very carefree kind of attitude about the people who have to suffer the consequences if the goal will do return because it's not going to be him. Right. 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 Um, any significance to that stone that she gives Jackson, you know, with the rune on it? I mean, not that I looked up that rune on right. uh, <laughs> google i guess i could have yeah probably one of us should have done that yeah. but yeah so i don't know Pro- i mean probably so, but yeah i don't know anyway um all right Any- anything else you want to bring up before we listen to fred's feedback you know just can't say enough how I di- how disappointed i was in all we got thor was a lame hologram oh, okay and you i know. yeah i hear you <laughs> i'm with you but other than that I, I did enjoy this episode quite a bit okay all right all right well why don't we hear what fred's got for us and we'll be right back hello dave and wayne and all listeners to sci-fi tv rewatch this is fred from the netherlands with some feedback for stargate sg1 season one episode nine i just watched last week the last episode of season one of dark angel And in your podcast about that episode, I heard Wayne say that he had a kind of teenage crush on Nana Visitor, Major Kira from Deep Space Nine, but especially as a Bajoran. And he was a little bit disappointed that she was in a quite older role in Dark Angel as Madame X. Funny thing is, I had an enormous crush on Jetsia Dax from Deep Space Nine, and it's even so that one of our cats, in the meanwhile 16 years old, is called Jetsia. And when we had to register our cats with our veterinarian, she said, What? What is that name? How do you write that? So not a very regular name, especially not here in, in Europe, I think. Or perhaps even anywhere. It's just a trill name. Last week I talked about The Time Machine, the 1960 film, epic film, and I said I discovered that there was a 2002 remake. In the meanwhile, I watched that. It was okay, but I still like the 1960 version uh, more. Furthermore, I'm watching, of course, several things, but one of them is indeed The Mandalorian, and I fully agree with Wayne that it's really movie quality. And I'm indeed giving feedback there for two podcasts. One is Fantastic Geeks podcast, and the other one is Fangirl Zone. Funny enough, there was a connection between The Mandalorian and this episode of 23 years ago of Stargate SG-1. In The Mandalorian, without giving spoilers, there is a special phrase The Mandalorian uses a lot. And that is, this is the way, which means this is the way Mandalorians do things according to their beliefs. Have a listen here. I'm sure now, this is the way. 
And Wayne, did you think of the Mandalorian when you heard this, just like I did? This is what Kendra says when they are on their way towards this labyrinth cave complex. And she says that to Daniel and Sam. Actually, this Kendra name is quite confusing because it's written Kendra, but Daniel calls her Kendra. According to IMDb, the actress who plays her is Galen Gurk. And when you then read IMDb, sometimes you're devastated. She just died last July, not of COVID, but of cancer, at the age of 55, just a day before her birthday. Otherwise, she would have been 56. Apart from being in all kinds of series and films. She also was known as a dancer for several styles, jazz, ballet, tap, Haitian, samba, West African, hip-hop, hula, funk. Yeah, that is what you can have if you are watching older series. Then you watch such a beautiful young woman there and then actually the actress is already dead. Although when she played this role, she was already 33. Which can fit, but she also could have been younger. When I looked at IMDb because of her, my eye caught something else. The voice of this Unas is by James Earl Jones. And who does he portray more as a voice actor? Darth Vader from Star Wars. Have a listen. You will recognize him. Java, why do you ally yourself with a slave? Once, the Gwauld were all as Unas. We were few, but we rule millions. Do you recognize it now, or did you already have recognized it during your watch of the episode? This Unas gave me, by the way, quite a Buffy the Vampire Slayer monster impression. Okay, going further into the episode. The opening was quite strange. Daniel was telling a weird story about gods, etc., etc. And I thought General Hammond look at him and also Jack O'Neill look at him. So, well, you're going bonkers or you're just imagining things. And then they all said, okay. That's an idea. Let's go. What I found very illogical is that the Jaffa are taught the gate sequence of Samaria, whereas it is a forbidden planet for golds. Why should they teach them this code to their servants, protectors? Just keep it secret for everybody. In general, I found the story a little bit confusing. It also has a bit of the the Gaul'd origin story in it. So you really have to pay attention. Okay, that's all for this time. Greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. All right. Um, you know, as I said earlier, I'm embarrassed that, you know, I didn't recognize James Earl Jones as Darth Vader. Uh, I can't remember now. <laughs> I listened to Fred's feedback. Now I can't remember if he said he saw it just in the credits the way you you know mentioned to me that how could you miss that but the other thing that yeah i am with fred that the willingness to buy into the norse gods does seem a bit odd a bit easy but again like we said earlier it's it's uh you know everything they've seen in the galaxy to this point why should we be surprised that they yeah. are okay with the Norse gods as an explanation, yeah. which of course that's what mythology is all about. Exactly. And we already saw this with, you know, the Egyptian gods, right? Sure. I mean, they, that was the basis of the movie and this series and everything. Right. Right. Um, and side note, I don't know if we talked about this before, but that was like the plan was to have sequels to the movie where they would, find like quote unquote gods from other ancient cultures as well yeah um but and, uh, but the movies didn't get made yeah the tv show did so yeah and but so we see that it, it being incorporated into the tv show though very clearly already right yeah so uh i um you know other than that i guess it's it's time to talk about a letter grade 
and I, I think we both really like this episode. I mean, are you into the A range? I mean, I'm still I thinking think B+. A minus, yeah. A minus? A minus, B plus. I think it'll be plus, yeah. yeah. It's still not like, like the episodes are like, man, that was incredible. You know, like, you know, like the first time you saw a blink, right? I, this is kind of like my standards, right? Like when I think about like the first time I saw blink, for example, or uh, what was that? Uh, International Assassin from The Leftovers. You know, still, I think, two of the flat-out best episodes of TV I've ever seen. As you're in the middle of it, you're like, holy crap, this is amazing. I, I want to rewatch this as soon as I'm done watching it, you know? I still haven't really run into one of the... Except Children of the Gods, I'll give it that. I've seen that one a couple of times. I like that, those two, parts one and two. But other than that, I haven't really run into the... It's really grab me by the core you know like they're very good i like the writing i like the, the actors i like the characters I like the pacing for the most part but i still don't run into that just that really socket to me type episode you know no no i agree with you exactly so okay so we'll go b plus a minus maybe well I'll, I'll throw that up there on the uh on the blog post this week so all right any final thoughts um i don't nope no my head is empty okay, okay. <laughs> all, right. all right well listen that will do it for this episode of sci-fi tv rewatch want to thank you guys for joining us love to hear what you think about sg1 anything else going on in sci-fi world heck maybe just what you're watching post it up on the facebook group if you're not a member of the facebook group come on what's stopping you come on emails can go to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com We'll be back next week to discuss episode 10 of Stargate SG-1 titled The Torment of Tantalus. But until then, go with Thor, my friend.